people often ask me, well, where can I attend one of these same-side selling immersion workshops? And historically, I give them as private workshops internally for businesses, and not every business can invest tens of thousands of dollars to do that. We are now offering these same-side selling immersion workshops, and we have three of them coming up. We just had one recently in Scottsdale, Arizona that was sold out. You can see the feedback and the ratings and scores and all that on our website. The three coming up are first on March 31st in Dallas, then on April 17th in San Francisco, and then Wilmington, Delaware, May 9th. So just visit ianaltman.com for more details. Welcome to this episode of the Grow My Revenue Business Cast, and specifically our episode on stupid marketing. And when you think stupid marketing, <laughs> there's no one you think of more than my good friend, Bob London. And of course, Bob, the last thing he wants me to do is associate him with stupid marketing. But the reason why I invite Bob London, of, uh, who is the founder of Chief Listening Officers, to the show is because Bob helps organizations craft masterful marketing that actually gets to the voice and the things that move the needle for their customers. And so who better to talk about stupid marketing and things that people shouldn't do than Bob London. So, Bob, welcome back. You know, keep it up, Ian. And you're going to be talking to an empty chair in about 10 seconds with these stupid marketing jokes. Hey, how are you? I'm great, great. Great to be here for our third episode three of dot, dot, dot. Who knows where this is going? Who knows where it's going? But I will tell you that. So first, I want to ask, I want to ask you. About, Can I tell the selfie story? I, I want to, I, in fact, I was just going to ask you about the selfie story. So please go ahead and tell us about the selfie story. I was at uh, an event, a 25th anniversary celebration for a company that I I've, have worked with in the past and that, Ian, you work with. And um, a woman there um, who I did not know, uh, we, we ended up in a conversation, several people. And when she put together the fact that my name tag said Bob London and I knew Ian Altman, she said, wait a minute, you're the stupid marketing guy. No, she didn't say that. She said... <laughs> You guys do, did the podcast where you talked about the law firm ad and the one that what you you read it. You actually read the entire copy of the ad. She said, I love that. And I can't believe I'm actually meeting the person who said it. And, uh, you know, I'm not like you. I'm not accustomed to being treated like a celebrity. So I, Ian, so I, I thanked her and I immediately thought, oh, after this event, I'll have to call Ian. So. A few minutes later, I was talking to someone else in this little circle, and I noticed that she was looking at me. And um, so, and, and by the way, <laughs> this is this is since this is audio, people don't realize it. Typically, beautiful women don't come up and approach Bob. So go ahead, Bob. I, yes, I have a slightly receding hairline. For those of you who don't know, uh, and I, I looked at her, and she said, "You know, you're going to think this is strange. Can I take a selfie with you?" And I thought, I said, "Sure." I. You know, absolutely. And I said, you know, I, yeah, I don't get that request very often. And she said, well, you know, my, a friend of mine is obsessed with you. And I said, I don't even know you before tonight. Why is she obsessed with you? She said, well, the same podcast. She got so much out of it. And she uh, just really thought it was um, smart what you and Ian talked about. And I guess she said that, you know, Bob's part was better than Ian's. But no, I'm kidding. And she said, so literally, she wanted to take a selfie to prove that she had met Bob London. Now, this was only possible 
because of the platform, Ian, you have established of people actually listening. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there. This apparently is one that people listen to. So kudos to you. And I had some fun with it. It was a lot of fun. Well, and now you're just like, uh, I'm true story. uh, By the way, I'm just amazed that even with your newfound celebrity that you were still willing to come on the program and talk about stupid marketing. And um, it, it reminds me, it reminds me of Rodney Dangerfield and back to school, the movie back to school, Rodney Dangerfield, where the woman comes up to him and says, wait, I know you, <laughs> you're, you're, you're big and fat. You're tall and fat. Says, yeah. <laughs> you're short and ugly, but, <laughs> but yeah, you're stupid marketing. I'm like, no, well, not exactly the moniker you were looking for, well, but I, I'm glad that the, I'm glad the episode had an impact. It doesn't have to be that way. Stupid <laughs> marketing. All you have to do is stop saying the phrase and we'll be fine. <laughs> Another 34 times in this episode and it should be emboldened in people's brains. Try so, it. Just, um, I dare you. <laughs> So, so Bob, I mean, keep in mind, the whole idea of this, of this show is to, for us to share and illustrate just marketing that has gone awry. Things that people, someone somewhere said, hey, this would be a good idea. And then, of course, they execute it and we're on the receiving end. And, and it costs see- money. Yeah, and they it costs money. money. Yeah, they spend money. They initiate a campaign that doesn't attract customers. It actually repels them. And... And I know, I mean, I've got some stories to share. I know you've got some. So if you're up for it and you're ready, I would love to have you share one of the, one of your examples of, I'm not going to say stupid marketing because you don't want me to use the term stupid marketing too often. So, um, so less than ideal marketing. How's that? Whatever you say. I don't want, (laughs) I I don't mind care what you call it as long as it's not immediately followed by the words Bob London. (laughs) Um, so I was given a gift. Uh, by the way, it feels like we're going to play Can You Top This? Because I'm going to give one and you're going to give one. <laughs> so, look, there's a lot of spam, a lot of unsolicited email. So it's almost become a cliche. But some of it is spammier than others and worth, therefore worth repeating here. So I got an email uh, like five minutes before I left the house to come here. Uh, and it says, uh, share forward. So as if someone forwarded it to me, it was important. Little email trick there. SharePoint training event which already is, you know, you didn't get my attention with that because I don't use SharePoint. I would not use SharePoint. I could not, would not, should not use SharePoint. And even if you did, you certainly wouldn't go to training. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. I want someone to come and do it for me. Bob, extending a personal invitation to you or your colleagues to join blank company name, redacted, for a day of training on SharePoint 2013. SharePoint 2013. This is 2017, isn't it? Well, I had to check after I got the email. So I, I thought I would mention that one. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to put that in the bucket of someone bought a list. I was unfortunate. I, I clicked or opted in or out of the wrong thing at some point, ended up on this crappy list. And so I'm serves me right. I'll take the I'll take the fall for that one. I get that. So go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah, so one, one of the ones that I want to point out is how people so ineffectively and wrongly try to use LinkedIn. So I very often get notes from people, invitations on LinkedIn, where someone says, hey, Ian, I read your article in Inc. or in Forbes, or I saw you keynote at this event, and I'd love to connect to you. And almost always, if someone includes some level of information that indicates that they know who I am, I'm pretty generous in accepting invitations because I assume that people have good intentions and they just want to stay connected, which is great. So I'll accept that. And as a result of that, I've got a great network of people who 
I can rely on to give me feedback about different articles and different content that comes out and what they like and what they don't like. So this guy, Justin – um, this just in. This, this just in. So this guy, Justin, um, sends me a note that says, hi, Ian, which so far he's doing good, okay because that happens to be my name. So that works out pretty well. He says, hi, Ian. I wanted to send you a quick note as I've been helping well, – for starters, let me, let me just stop for a sec. Justin sends me a LinkedIn connection request that says, oh, I'm a big fan of your work, and I love this article you wrote in Forbes, so I'd love to connect to you. And so since it wasn't of detail, I responded and said, well, gee, what inspired you to make the connection? Oh, I just like to connect with other like-minded people. And I said, okay, fine. So I accept his invitation. Then <laughs> that's – on, That's on you too then. That is on me too. Thankfully, thankfully, Justin waited an entire – I would say at least 60 seconds before sending the following email. And the email was, hi, Ian. I wanted to send you a quick note as I've been helping top-level speakers and coaches design automated revenue systems for their businesses. We design marketing and product funnels, courses and certifications to then be marketed online and licensed to Fortune 1000 organizations on a recurring revenue model. I'd love to set up a quick call to discuss further to your success Justin. Now, Justin crafted this beautiful note 60 seconds after I had accepted his invitation where I was clearly just looking for, okay, how are we going to connect? Not that he was going to pitch something to me right away. So uh -oh. I, so I responded to <laughs> uh -oh. Justin because I felt that it would be appropriate to respond to Justin and let him know what I was thinking. And I said, dear Justin, I am so happy that you wasted no time in pitching your services to me. I was concerned <laughs> that you might have been one of those pesky LinkedIn contacts interested in learning more and adding value first. What a relief, Ian. I didn't get a reply from Justin. I, I'm hopeful that Justin realized that was sarcasm, but the lesson I want people to take is this. When you connect to somebody on LinkedIn, it is not an invitation for you to spam the hell out of them. That's not cool. If you met this person at a networking event and they said, oh, nice to meet you, and then you immediately went into a pitch about your products and services, you would be thrown out of the room. And the same thing happens on LinkedIn. So here's what Justin could have said instead. What if Justin had simply said, hey, Ian, I'm looking forward to learning more about your business. Here's the stuff that I'm working on. So I tend to work with top-level speakers and coaches on these automated revenue systems. You probably already have this in order. Do you know of other people who might be struggling with that? I'm always interested in having a discussion with people who might be trying to tackle that. And guess what? Here's the beauty. At that point, it doesn't sound like he's pitching me. He's offering to chat about this stuff with other people who might be interested. And if I happen to be interested, I might then initiate the contact back to him. So I don't have to try and pitch directly to the other person if I actually do it as a third-party way that says, look, do you know other people where I might be able to help them? The person can always say, yeah, actually, I know someone, me, instead of <laughs> – instead of like, let me try and pitch directly to you, and then it's a binary yes-no. So now he's in my category on LinkedIn of people to avoid at all costs <laughs> right. because they probably are a carrier for a deadly disease.
Yeah, I have a category like that on LinkedIn too, and it's people who have used the word visionary in their title. <laughs> visionary, so, Sherpa. Exactly. Uh, well, so, I'll watch out for Justin also. I, it would help to know his last name so I could really avoid him. Well, you know what? I, you know, I, I don't think it'd be fair to give his last name because there's too many people that might share that exact last name. What other interesting, uh, interesting experiences have you had? Yeah, well, um, let's let's go back to something. Let's sort of do a "Where Are They Now?" segment, Ian, which is um, the continuing saga of the emails that Bob London gets from Brett Andrews. Is this Marketo? How did you guess? Because <laughs> because I know that every time we talk, there's another brilliant piece of insight. It's not my fault. It comes from Marquette. I refuse to take the blame for bringing this up. But I believe ten years ago, you passed by a Marquette booth. <laughs> at one point, I probably downloaded a white paper. I then unsubscribed. I'm sure I unsubscribed at some point. Yeah. The problem is, I then walked past a Marquette booth. <laughs> and some, I got I got infected. Uh, not by the way, they're not bad people. Okay, let's just say that. Um, Subject lines that have arrived in my mailbox from Brett Andrews of Marketo, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say up front this time, as opposed to last time I said at the end, Marketo is a company that sells automated marketing systems. Okay, so theoretically, they're by using uh, their own system. I presume they're not using Eloqua or HubSpot to send me these things. They're Wouldn't using- that be ironic? What I'm waiting for is a, is a statement from Marketo that says, we're so sorry, Bob, that we've hit you with all this spam. It turns out that one of our interns <laughs> is in, a, in, a, in, a, in a fluke is actually using our competitor's products right. for or us. Sorry. Maybe HubSpot hacked into Marketo. Exactly. And so Marketo is a company that just – the short answer is they should know better. They, they are in the marketing business. They sell to marketers, and yet they do the following. Subject line one. Well, let me give you a good one. New Marketo account-based marketing now available. Now, at least there's a feature there that I can identify with. Account-based marketing, I know what that is. It's the latest marketing buzzword, sort of like the Chinese Zodiac. Every year is the year of something. This is the year of automated, uh, uh, excuse me, account-based marketing. Uh, The next subject line, don't let the sky fall, Bob. Now, when I I look at it now, because I certainly didn't pay much attention to it at the time, I only saved it with a green flag so I could bring it up here at this podcast. There is a, a, a picture, a photograph of a, a word a, typed in, taped, taped on a background, typed, and it says, this is the end. Okay, so it's sort of foreboding. It says, hold your breath and count to 10, Bob. Oh, my God. Were, it's were been you over. Listen to this. Yeah, I was looking out the window. It's been over a year since you engaged with one of our emails. So, so now I'm thinking, let me get this straight. You know that it's been a year, which tells you something. Yeah. Let's all think about what that could be. What am I saying by not engaging with your emails? And this is the email you send me. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to see if you can, you know, get any reaction, even if I unsubscribe. Why don't we just, why don't you just do, why don't you unsubscribe for me? Because I haven't engaged in a year. We've dreamt, I'm going to read more copy. We've dreamt of the moment when our relationship could move forward. But at this point, if you don't let us know that you still want to hear from us, we may unsubscribe you. And I got really nervous that they might unsubscribe me. Because that means they might not. <laughs> that would mean you'll miss out on all of our marketing tools, resources, and thought leadership. Oh, so, my goodness. So, and then there's, a, there's a, a big button that says, keep the emails coming. Now, the funny thing about that is uh, a, month, a month later, subject line, Marketo, Brett Andrews, are you hiding, Bob? And then it says, a big visual, we can't hide from it anymore. Let's end this game of hide-and-seek, Bob. We noticed you haven't clicked on one of our emails in over a year, which makes us feel left out. So I, you get the point, and I'm going to say this as clearly as I can. In marketing and sales, you develop something called a buyer persona. 
where you, uh, hopefully in conjunction with actual buyers, uh, hopefully not just in a brainstorming with a bunch of people who all look and sound like each other that work for Marketo. A buyer persona is a description of the psychographics, the emotions, the needs, the business, the pain points, the elevator rants of different buyers that might be part of the decision process. Buyer personas. When it when I read that, let's end this game of hide and seek, Bob, I'm thinking that the buyer persona I fall into is an 18-month-old with a pacifier in his mouth sitting there crying. Like, what other persona, what other persona could they have dreamt up where they would write this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something else. And, and, you know, it's an interesting book. And I can't even remember the name of it, but there's sort of a big expose book on HubSpot um, from a guy who worked there. And he makes the point that the people who are behind a lot of these emails are only using their own persona, which is just graduated from college, maybe a journalism degree, probably played on a sports team, very high energy, very positive. That's what this is. Too many exclamation points. That's their persona. Who would click on this? Let's end this game of hide and seek. Who would click on that, Ian? Um, I'm trying to think because, you know, keep in mind, I often speak to rooms of thousands of people and I'm guessing that there's one or two people in that room that might have clicked on it, but not likely. I mean, and here's one of the challenges is that because of marketing automation, people feel it's okay to send out stupid and bad marketing because, well, it's not taking up someone's time. Who cares? I think that the mistake that these organizations make is that they believe their job is to convince everybody on the planet that they need to buy their stuff. Yeah, everyone's a prospect. And the reality is not everyone's a prospect. In fact, the best, most valuable thing these organizations can do is segment their list that says, here are the people who are likely customers who would benefit from what we do. And here's the people who aren't worth our time. And if you want to put those on a, those people on a trickle campaign, that's fine. But the trickle campaign should be, hey, Bob, here's additional information you might find valuable. Not click here, follow up, let's schedule a meeting because guess what? There's nothing they've said. They, they're acknowledging, look, Bob, we've sent you stuff for over a year and you haven't seemed to care. Do you not love us anymore? Right. Dude, I never loved you. I right. didn't even like you, but now I'm thinking about hiring a hitman to come after you. Right. Well, that that's – by the way, can you just say the word trickle again? Trickle. <laughs> just funny. So um, th- that's exactly the point. I did download something from them once, okay? What they're doing is they're reading a little too much into that, okay? It doesn't mean I want to get married. It doesn't mean I want to go out on a date with them. It doesn't mean anything other than – the topic of the white paper caught my attention. I don't know what's in the white paper till I download it. When I got it, I don't remember what it said. But that that set off a several year. I mean, I've got emails from them going back till 2011 or something like that. So it it is what it is, right? But but I I can do something about it, which is to come on your podcast and bitch and moan, <laughs> try and let people know. And and I'll, and I'll give you an example. So very often after a speaking engagement, people will express interest in attending a full day workshop that I do on same side selling. And I have a few of them um, in – we had one in, in February, the end of March, in April and in May in different cities. And so what we do is we actually send a note that says, look, you've expressed interest in this. We want to make sure that we didn't drop the ball and we're following up with you. We will send one additional email and afterwards we send something that says, look, my guess is that you've changed your mind, that it's no longer a priority, which is totally fine. We just want to make sure that – our emails either didn't get caught in spam or that you were interested and we just didn't follow up effectively. So 
whether you're interested or not, just let us know so we know that we're serving your needs. So it's not about, well, let me convince you to come to this thing that you don't have interest in. It's, look, you told us you were interested. We accept the fact that you may have changed your mind. And if you did, that's totally cool. Let us know. And if you didn't, let us know so that we can make sure we hold a spot for you. Either way, we're totally fine with it. And I think part of it comes from not having that sense of scarcity of like, oh, my God, I need the business. I have to convince everybody. Instead, it's, look, I only want the people attending who actually have the greatest value. Now, the funny thing is for my Dallas workshop – um, when is that? It's uh, March 31st. Hey, a little so, plug there. So, so I don't know, but here's the funny part. I don't know if this episode's going to air before or after. <laughs> so, so, oh, right. so it could be it could be in the past, in which case it doesn't matter. But what was funny was we did Dallas because I said, man, you know what? I haven't done one of these in Dallas in a while. I know there's a lot of people in Dallas who expressed interest, so I want to have one in their backyard. So I scheduled one in Dallas. As of today, when we're recording this, all but two of the people attending – are not from Dallas. They're flying to Dallas for this. Seriously. Yeah. That's awesome. Which is funny because there's people, Oh, I'm coming from Denver. Someone else is coming from Michigan. Someone's coming from California, which is funny because we're doing it in Dallas because I wanted to serve the local market. The local market may or may not be showing up. Sounds but like people, the, other people are. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like the radius is pretty big for exactly. people who want to see you. Exactly. So it was just kind of a uh, kind of a funny thing, especially because there's people coming from California and Colorado, but I have one two weeks later in San Francisco. And, yeah. someone, and someone said, well, actually, yeah, the San Francisco one would be more convenient, but I have a conflict that day, so I'm <laughs> flying to Dallas. Okay, great. I cannot wait until then, Ian, to get your <laughs> exactly, brilliance. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, the two weeks later would be far too late. Um, now, one of, the, one of the other things that I, that I get is, is just people who initially connect to you, and then it's – their assumption is that you need whatever it is they're selling. So it's – you know. I had this, hi, Ian, one of the biggest challenges B2B marketers face is reaching the decision maker at the right time with blank company, because I'm not going to throw them under the bus yet. You can now figure out when your company is top of mind and engage them proactively. No more cold reach outs. Only talk to people who want to listen to you, which I find entirely ironic because this is a cold reach out to somebody, me, who doesn't want to listen to this person? So I just think it's kind of funny that it's like, you don't have to do a cold reach out. It would have been funny if he had said parentheses, like I'm doing to you right now. Then I would have actually given him a little bit of credibility and would have thought, well, that's funny because these guys are, are doing the exact, the epitome of what they're saying you wouldn't have to do. So that part is funny. The other thing is that there's a um, there's an online meeting company that now has storage um, storage products also. And so online meetings and storage, online meetings. And now they do storage also. What kind of storage? So, well, they might call it go to storage, but they don't. But the meeting <laughs> stuff it. might have a name similar to that. And so we had subscribed to their online meeting stuff. And for our purposes, it didn't serve our needs. So we got rid of it. And then ironically, we keep getting calls from them that says, hi, I'm calling from such and such. I'm calling from this company. How do you handle your storage today? And I said, well, you know, we use a number of different tools. And they said, well, what tools have you considered? And I, and I said, well, any tool but yours. See, your company <laughs> didn't serve our needs well, so I appreciate that you're reaching out to me as a potential customer, but you should know that – you're probably better off reaching out to people who are current customers and like your products, not people who terminated your product because it didn't work for them. So 
we don't have a need for this, but if we did, we wouldn't use your products. But the point is that, oh, yes, well, you've done this. So, you know, I'm going to be in your – my favorite part was the person said, oh, well, I'm going to be in your area. And I said, really, what area is that? And then she was like, you know, you can tell she was clicking on her keyboard North because, because she had no idea where I was based. Right? <laughs> but it was like, I'm going to be in your area, which is the stupidest marketing message you can have. Sales, business development, marketing to say, I'm going to be in your area. Like somehow the person didn't have a need. But if you're going to be in the neighborhood, if you're going to be in the area, then naturally it must be good. So uh, any other ones that really jump out for you, Bob? You know what? I've, I'm starting to feel badly about this conversation yeah. because uh, – you look weepy. I, I am. I'm feeling weepy because I, I really wanted to just kind of check on the Marketo thing and see if they had changed their behavior. No, they haven't. But I, I'm, I'm feeling not weepy, but empathetic with what it must be like to be a salesperson at any company. Okay. I get it. Right. And some of the feedback I get online is, well, you know, what's wrong with sending out emails and what's wrong with cold call? Nothing. But I, I, I guess my point is companies are responsible for arming their salespeople, sales teams with a great product or service, a value proposition, which is how do you express that? I know I'm getting all serious. How do you express the value proposition um, and, you know, relevant pricing and, you know, competitive framework and all that. But that but but all of that has to be something it's the company's responsibility to arm the salespeople with stuff that matters to the customer. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's getting into the customer's voice, the customer's mind. And I'm going to plug something you're doing because you wouldn't. Um, but if you go to chief, chief listening officers dot com. So chief listening officers dot com under the DIY tab. Um, next to plumbing repairs <laughs> um, is, is, is something that Bob refers to as the customer rediscovery playbook. And it gives you the tools to get into the voice and the head of your customer so you don't fall victim to these stupid marketing paradigms where you're just – spouting off your own information that doesn't resonate with your customer, but instead you give a step-by-step -step playbook on how to really get into the mind of your customer and speak with their voice, not your own. I have a big warning that goes along with that. Huge warning. You actually, when you use the playbook, you actually have to go talk to customers. Well, that might be a deal breaker for some You have to go it. and you have to put, <laughs> you have to just be able to put aside your perspective and seriously, and go and chat with them. You can do it by phone and uh, go with whatever they want to talk about. And so it has questions in it to ask to get the conversation going. And, but but uh, the reason I, I say that jokingly is, uh, and I was part of this as a corporate marketer for years, you know, you sit in a conference room, everyone around the table has a vested interest in saving their own job, protecting whatever, grabbing budget. And they say, what, what does the customer want? Well, let's see. And go around the room and brainstorm internally. And uh, there is probably zero chance that anyone in that room or collectively uh, that you can come up with the answer to the, what the customer really thinks and needs, unless you go out and talk to them. That's my platform. Just listen, just go out and listen. Yeah, which, which ties perfectly into Bob's upcoming book titled shut up and listen to your customers. Right. So shut up and listen being the main title of the book. And, um, Assuming that Bob actually completes writing the manuscript, allegedly, I am going to uh, to write the forward for it, which I'm honored to do. And I will tell you that the only reason 
why this book is not on the market already is because Bob is a perfectionist <laughs> and is like one of these guys who isn't going to produce, isn't going to deliver something that isn't extraordinary. So right, I um, can't, I can't decide. Lean over. I want to either kiss you or hit you with my laptop. Yeah, well, it's one <laughs> I can't of those decide two. which one. It's one of those two, and be, we don't want to create too much tension, so we'll leave it at that. Bob, um, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you and learn more about what you're doing? Uh, well, you can search Bob London on LinkedIn, but you can also go to chieflisteningofficers.com where, uh, again, I try to provide sort of the knowledge, the tools, and the inspiration for, for companies to go out and learn more about their customer's perspective. So chieflisteningofficers.com. The last thing I would say is at chief underscore listener on Twitter. All right, Bob. Thanks for joining me. You bet. It's always funny. And take care.